and welcome to Asking Anything. This is a podcast about our faith, the Bible, what it means to be human and following Jesus. I'm Dan Gillis, the Young Adults Pastor at Village Church. And today I'm joined by Evan Wickham. Evan is the pastor of Park Hill Church in San Diego. Welcome, Evan. It's great to have you on. It is so good to be with you, Dan. Thanks so much. Blessings to you guys in Vancouver. Yeah, and you're you're tuning in all the way from San Diego, California. How are things there? This is true. We're in San Diego. We, oh my, we just got news that barber shops are open today. Come on, the Lord so has I'm, heard your prayers. I'm wearing a beanie out of habit, but now I can like remove it and twirl it above my head in victory, and go get it cut. So that is so um, good. For our listeners, you can't see us right now. We're both wearing toques. It's, you know, nice and sunny where both of us are at, but we're wearing toques. Our hair is very toques. long. So this is good news. Toques. Yes. And and in Canada, we have this thing called a toque. It's much like the American beanie, uh, but it's <laughs> it's uh, it's Canadian. It keeps our head a little bit warmer. Toque is so much easier to say than beanie. Exactly. That's cooler too. Yeah. You could be an adopter of that in the South. So you should totally embrace it. Happily. <laughs> Well, Evan, it's great to have you uh, with us. Uh, some of you may be fam- familiar with Evan, his church uh, in San Diego, maybe his podcast. Um, but Evan, can you start by talking a little bit of maybe about your upbringing, a bit of your, your story, uh, your family, and then also how you, you know, moved to San Diego to start uh, the church there? Yeah. Yeah. My wife, Sandy, and I, we grew up same church, non-denominational denomination. <laughs> so uh, cool. Grew up in one of those, you know, you know, we're, 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 we're the cool non-denomination that became its own subculture, you know, that's right. SoCal, a bunch of hippies in the sixties came to Jesus out of drugs and wear and sandals to church, sandals and Hawaiian shirts to church. And then, you know, they grow up and have a bunch of kids who want to get formal and like high church Anglican and resist non-traditional yeah. ways. So, uh, so yeah, we're, you know, we're the children. I'm, I'm a second generation pastor. And so I love, I love the church. My dad was faithful, totally faithful, a so consistent cool. witness to Jesus's love, both on stage at the mega church we grew up in and at home around the dinner table. Hmm. Same dude, my mom, similar, same uh, woman of God. And so I think that was a huge part of God sustaining, uh, my faith, um, through the witness of my parents. Sorry if there's sound of gardening, I think, oh, from that, outside. <laughs> that is that is music to our ears in Canada. Yeah, okay. that's totally cool. Okay, good. Yeah, they're going for it with two-stroke engines. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I love the church. Um, I've seen the underbelly of it. I've seen, you know, uh, leadership abuse, and I've seen all those things, and yet... I, I stayed. I, I remember receiving a prophetic word over my life from a pastor I respect. And he's like, Evan, there's a, there's a prodigal son story where you have, you know, the son who squandered the father's inheritance mm-hmm. and he's welcomed back by grace. And the, there's the other son who would not celebrate the grace of his father mm. in self-righteousness, even though he stayed home. But we don't have this middle category of just faithful son who never left. Yeah. And I think that's what you're called to embody, Evan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think you do have a testimony because I grew up not not have. I felt like I didn't have one. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't write the best selling book, why I'm wounded and like why I'm deconstructing and all of that. Even totally. though I did, even though I did get wounded and I did deconstruct and all of that, but I did it within the context of community and yeah. submission to elders. Um, and my goal was to reconstruct 
I, I'm, you know, it's just my story. I don't, I'm not saying I better than anyone. I just mm. never, I never had this like huge falling out with God. Right. Um, and I'm thankful for it. And mm-hmm. that prophetic word really tied a, it tied a loose end in my, in my story for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think God used that leader to really speak affirmation. Like, yeah, like Jesus wants me to tell the story of his faithfulness and consistency and then lead a church in, as Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. That, um, that's incredible. How old were you like receiving this sort of prophetic word from someone? Oh, oh, last year. Oh, crazy. Okay. Literally. I'm 39. Yeah. I just turned 39. So I was, I was turning 38 and I was at a pastor's retreat with Jason Ballard, who yeah. we both know. And there was a pastor in the room who just said, you know, Evan, you're leading a church. You're a year and a half into a church plan. I think you need to hear like, hmm. you can be the faithful son who just didn't leave and kept loving the father. Wow. You know, like there doesn't have to be a problem with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, and it was very enlightening. And so that's, you know, the spirit I've tried to bring into this recent year, which mm. I think it was timely with COVID and having to be secure in my identity with Jesus Yeah, as a leader through a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and my wife is just steady as I'll get out. So faithful. And we have five kids. No way. So uh, yeah, our oldest just turned 18 and graduated high school in my garage over Zoom. Incredible. And the youngest is going into kindergarten um, in the fall. So I don't know if you call it, I literally don't know if kindergarten is a thing in Canada, but yeah, yeah, we have kindergarten. <laughs> we just, we just get to it on snowmobiles. I mean, if you have toques, I don't know what else is going on. Up no, there. seriously, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> man. So it's not, there's no, uh, yeah. So anyways, that's, that's kind of the, the long and short. We started Park Hill Church um, after a long season of deciding mm-hmm. if my heart was right in yeah. wanting to plant. Um. I was sitting in Patrick Schreiner, Dr. Schreiner's uh, church and mission class at Western. And he brought his pastor into the room to talk about church planting. And I was pumped because I was going to plant a church. Yeah. And it was going to be a, a, it was going to get it. My church was going to get it right. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> and so this pastor, he listed the do's and don'ts of kingdom work. Hmm. And I forget the do's, honestly, but the don't, the number one don't, don't plant a church because you're going to get it right when everybody else got it wrong. Hmm. the number one don't. Wow. Like don't advance part of God's kingdom because other kingdom people sucked in your mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that yeah. is so, that's, that's the epitome of division. Hmm. Um, and cause if you do plant a church in that spirit, you are planting a church of people who will betray you. Yeah. You're creating a culture that will turn against you. Yeah. Um, and you're, and you're telling Jesus he's bad at building other churches, you know, yeah. there's so much wisdom in that. And so, so that was, that was a turning point uh, for me and part of why yeah. God moved us to Portland to come back to San Diego to plant. And I've been praying to embody that kind of love and I haven't always been perfect, but there you go. Yeah. So did you grow up in San Diego or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. And then you moved for, to Portland for schooling or yeah. San Diego, Orange County, SoCal, through and through my wife and I both, we got married at 19 years old. Wow. And we were both in youth ministry together. We moved to Portland in our early thirties. Um, and now we're in our late thirties and we're back. The church up there was gracious enough to send us with people and provision. 
that's amazing. Uh, plant a church, Park Hill Church. And here we well, are. That's incredible. Well, uh, for our listeners who maybe uh, have not tuned in yet to to Park Hill, uh, the, the link will be in the description below for the podcast. Um, Evan, one of the things that you talk about, and especially through your series that you taught through in Matthew, was the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. this was one of the things that Jesus spoke about most uh, mm-hmm. that we read about in the four gospels. Mm-hmm. He even taught that the, the gospel or the good news was that the kingdom of God has come near to us. Um, and so I was wondering if we could just start with with asking the question what is the kingdom of god and why was that central and is that central to the teaching of jesus yeah yeah this is actually such a huge conversation uh can't even begin to scratch the surface but when you think about it like what's the one thing you think jesus was about hmm. what would you say like if you're listening like love your neighbor, um, you know, live sacrificially, take up your cross. What's the one thing you think Jesus was about? And, uh, you know, when you, when you actually begin to read the stories of the gospel writers themselves, um, there's this message that keeps surfacing. It's the first thing out of Jesus's mouth in the, in the, one of the earliest gospels, we think Mark was probably the earliest, earliest one to be written. And his thing is like, repent, Mm-hmm. which means rethink your thinking. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. Something, something massive has come. This shift is upon you, which, may, which means you should rethink everything in light of this shift. And so what was that shift? Um, Matthew, Luke, John, they all, they all have Jesus kind of orbiting the message of the kingdom um, and it's, and it's interesting because we don't have a definite, we don't have a, per, a parameter or a definition of, of kingdom. Americans, Americans and kingdoms don't mix, you mm-hmm. know, like we literally speaking for America, we literally started our country in violent resistance to kingdom. That's so true. So, so we don't like kingdom mm-hmm. in our blood. Don't tread on me. You know, it was one of our early mottos and, and we pushed the King of England out and independence, even by violence Mm -hmm. is, is our preference now. So, so what is this thing that Jesus was so, so happy to (laughs) rethink everything? Cause this, this kingdom of authority is coming over all other powers. And then, so we soften it or we sideline it. And it's like, Oh, the kingdom is something that happens in your heart. It makes you more godly or um, the kingdom is something that's coming in the future. Mm-hmm. It's not here yet. Right now it's off awful. And we have to do a bunch of work in order to hold down the fort until Jesus like builds a kingdom. That's right. Um, but that's not how Jesus talks about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He has like two mixed messages. It seems it's here. Rethink your life or else you'll miss it. Yeah. And then he'll say, out of the same other side of his mouth, he'll be like, um, there is something coming that mm-hmm. will mark the end for decision-making. That's right. And, and, and the Son of Man will judge. And, and that will be what you've been waiting, the day of the Lord. You'll be, and so it's like, is it, is it now? Or is it not yet? Yeah. And so... Thankfully, in the last hundred years, um, theologians like George Eldon Ladd 
And nowadays, Patrick Schreiner, who I love and respect deeply, they're, they're, they're beginning to articulate kingdom, I think, very faithfully, where it's both now and not yet. Mm-hmm. It's something that was inaugurated, you know, begun yeah. yep. with Jesus' whole life. And, and then it's, it's something that will be consummated. That's the technical mm-hmm. word. I know it's kind of an awkward word, but it'll be, it'll be finalized. It'll come to its fullness Mm-hmm. when Jesus physically returns. But none of this answers the question, like, what the heck is it? That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, re- it, it's really hard. Like, the kingdom is this thing in the New Testament that all the New Testament characters just already agree on the definition, so they don't define it. Yeah. You know? like It's like everyone just already knows what it is, so they, they don't make it clear for, for Canadians or Americans in the 21st century. And so Patrick Schreiner, he uses this definition... And I think this brings the whole scripture to bear into one sentence. And I think it's helpful. Um, the kingdom is the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. Hmm. So the kingdom of God is the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. And I think that's very precise. Mm-hmm. And that precision is really important. Um, because there's no kingdom without the king. Yeah. You know, people, people want the goodness of the kingdom, social justice and people healed from disease, but they don't want to submit their bodies Mm -hmm. to, to, to the authority of the king's commands, you know, there's a sense of submission there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've got to actually, in the words of Jesus, rethink or reimagine or repent because God's rule has come near. There is, I know it's super uncool, but there is an in and an out of a kingdom by definition. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to communicate that in a way that is heard today in a day of pluralism, but, it, but there is a king. Yeah. Um, and a king is no king without authority, power, or a people to have power over, or a place to exercise that rule. And so, so those things together in that order are, are the kingdom of God. And obviously, you know, the church is the people and the authority of Jesus gets meted out through sacrificial love and the people of mm. God. And the place is expanding. You know, it used to be just Israel, mm-hmm. uh, but, it's, but it's now the blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So mm. like this kingdom is coming and it's rolling over every human government from North Korea to America to ISIS. Like it's going to be, Jesus's kingdom is going to be the one that trumps all others. So- so in other words, what you're saying is, is that there, when, when, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God is, has been brought near, that he, in, in one sense, is, is God, is king, is now beginning to rule over his, his people. Is, is that what he's saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, they describe God as king in some Psalms. That's right. And in some prophetic texts. But in N.T. Wright's words, that was God, you know, king, almost like king in title. Yeah. But when God comes among us in Jesus, he becomes king incarnate and king in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the promises of the ancient Jewish kings are now flowing through the veins of a Jewish carpenter. Yeah. You know, and, and, and his faithfulness to Yahweh's covenant it, it's, it's, uh, it's fulfilling Israel's hope for a king. And so, yeah, so now we have 
we have an authority. Hmm. Um, hmm. And, and it's important to know that his authority is for his people, mm-hmm. which is why I think, I think we get this messed up, at, at least we have in America, where you know, we try to legislate a bunch of Christian commands through secular political means. And it's just a mixing of categories. Interesting. Um, because you have, you know, the, the New Testament commands are for those who have pledged allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The New Testament's authority is over those who follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is not over those who do not follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, they stand outside of the covenant family of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Testament commands are, you know, they're, they're the blessing of living within the forgiven family of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only command that goes out beyond that is repent and believe. The kingdom's coming. That's right. That's right. So, so there's this sense where it is only the king's people who are under the king's dominion. Now there's, there's blessing that maybe spills out of that. There's, you know, um, there's benefit of the kingdom yeah. being, being present big, on earth. Big time. However, the, the submission or the dominion or us living out the, the king's way of life is for the king's people. And it's not yeah. for something that we, we place on other people or, or push our agenda on, on the culture around us. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the cart before the horse. I mean, yeah. Jesus the king, he's good. He's bringing the goodness of God to bear on the universe. And do you see your longing for that? Mm-hmm. Hey, San Diego. Hey, Vancouver. Hey, West Canada, West US. Do you see? Can you feel your hunger right now? Yeah. Do you long for physical presence? Do you long for connect, like true connection, not digital connectivity, but community, mm-hmm. belonging? Hey, single people. Hey, uh, married people. Like, do you long for reconciliation? Mm-hmm. Um, these things are ultimately found in the Creator's heart. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is bringing the kingdom of the creator into the world. There's a reason why we're longing for these things. Um, so forgiveness and acceptance and belonging, they're all found in this king. Mm-hmm. And then once you realize, once you repent and believe and ex- admit your need for salvation, then you're brought into this family where flourishing just continues to expand outward from obedience to these commands, mm-hmm. living in the kingdom. Yeah. Life in the kingdom is truly the best way to be human. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to frame it, I think. I think it's the way the gospel writers do. Yeah, I think that is so good. Um, living in the kingdom is the best way to be human. I think that is, is beautiful. Um, I, I'm wondering, my next question is, you know, how, how, does, how is God's kingdom brought near to us, you know, on yeah. earth as it is in heaven? And why is that good news? But before I get to that, I, yeah. it almost begs the question that if there is a kingdom coming, mm-hmm. that maybe there's another kingdom present or other <laughs> kingdoms present. Okay. You know, yeah. not to yeah. get too much into that, but is is that because you know before gospel was a religious term it was very much a political term mm-hmm. the evangelion the announcement that there's mm-hmm. a new kingdom. so you know does this beg the question that maybe there is another kingdom what is that other kingdom oh man without without yeah, going too far oh uh, i don't know how to not go far into this so my my dear mentor dr gary Bashirs, is um 
friends with Michael Heiser mm-hmm. and, and they share a lot of the same core convictions around the worldview of the Bible. Yeah. And, and their whole thing is the scriptures are a story mm-hmm. of God saving and redeeming his human family to do battle against the kingdom of darkness. Hmm. So from the beginning, Genesis 1, the creation story, humans are dropped in the middle of an already ongoing story of darkness and light at war. Yeah. So humans are created to be God's family of warriors in a spiritual battle to reclaim earth from chaos. Hmm. And so the, so in the very beginning of the, of the Bible, you have human given a command to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue, which is a battle word in Hebrew. It's the word yep. kabosh. So they're called from Genesis 1 to put, like literally put the kabosh on the, on the planet that was full of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as the story goes, humans sided with the serpent mm-hmm. and joined the kingdom of darkness. And, and Yahweh would not tolerate that. So he got his own hands dirty and kept pursuing his people in love all the way to his own death on the cross. So good. Yeah. And so when he, when he died on the cross, when Jesus, Yahweh in body, died on the cross, Colossians 2.16 says in that moment, he put to shame the governments, the principalities, mm-hmm. the rulers, both human and non-human. So that's when you're like, whoa, Evan, what are you talking about? It's like, <laughs> like immaterial, spiritual warfare, weirdness. Is this suddenly off the rails? How did this just get weird? Yeah. Like that's the worldview of Jesus and the Bible. Yeah. There is, there is Caesar. And then there are the dark animating forces behind Caesar and American government. And every other government is tied up in this dark web. Yeah. Uh, especially when you see empires, mm-hmm. you see in the scriptures beasts behind the empires. That's right. So it's and not just Babylon; it's it's the the spiritual forces of darkness behind Babylon. Or in our day, it's not just you know the the modern West of materialism and you know all of these things. There's in the in the biblical worldview. There's the worldview, like there's the world behind the world. Absolutely. The, be- you know, the best the kingdom exam- behind the kingdom. Yes. The best example of this is actually in the text of Ezekiel 28, where you see, you know, the king of Tyre. Um, uh, and it's describing, I think it's the king of Tyre, whoever the king is in X, any, uh, sorry, not Exodus, Ezekiel. Did I say that? Yep. Ezekiel 28. It's talking about how, how he's arrogant and how he is you know, brandishing his weapon against the people of God. And then suddenly the text just shifts Mm -hmm. to talk about this Lucifer character. Yeah. And, and it's almost like, who are you talking about? Mm -hmm. The pagan emperor or the demonic evil force behind Mm -hmm. the, and the answer in the Bible is yes. Yeah. Um, That's always what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying, this is the end of all of that junk. This is the end of the rule of the beasts. Mm -hmm. Whoever's animating all the political disgustingness behind in Washington, DC and um, whatever other city I'm, I'm, 
picking on America because I'm an American. Yeah, yeah. For us, um, it's Ottawa. Yeah, and for, well, and for Americans, it's just really easy to pick on America yeah, right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, so there are there's there's in, there's invisible forces behind mm-hmm. all the the scheming and the machinations of yeah of of political empires. Yeah, and so Jesus' kingdom. Um, has something to say to that. Yeah. So that, so, so in other words, and, and thank you for, for going down that rabbit trail with me. In other words, when Jesus comes and announces, Hey, I am God in the flesh and I am King and reimagine your lives from the ground up because I'm bringing my kingdom here. What he's in some sense saying is I am going to overrule the kingdoms of darkness that are now oppressing my people. And now I'm going to be bring a kingdom of, of justice and peace and, and wholeness. And, and what you're saying is, is, is a kingdom that allows us to be fully human. And that's why in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we, we hear the words of Jesus, blessed, yes. blessed. Like yes. when my kingdom comes upon you, you're blessed if you're single, you're blessed yes. if you're poor, you're blessed yes. if you're merciful, you're blessed if you're persecuted. Yes. And so there's this kingdom that is breaking in um, yes. to the world as we know it. And so um, I'm wondering if we, could, if we could just come back to, to the question, how is it that God's kingdom is brought near to us? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how is it that the kingdom of heaven is now breaking into the kingdom of earth? And why was that good news to Jesus? Yeah. Wow. Excellent questions. I mean, the, I, I said it already, the, mm-hmm. the, the already not yet dimension yeah. of the kingdom is vital. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's the, the, the nerdy term is inaugurated eschatology. So it's the idea that God's future is not just future. The kingdom mm-hmm. is not just a future thing we're hoping for, but it's been inaugurated. It's begun mm-hmm. uh, with Jesus Dying, living faithfully, dying, rising, and ascending to the right hand of the Father like Daniel prophesied he would. With that motion, the kingdom of God is now here, Hmm. which means we can pray as spirit-filled covenant partners of Yahweh and people can be healed. We can pray and demonic strongholds can be brought down. We can step out into our cities and do what Jesus did by the power of the Spirit, and Jesus' rule and reign, his people power place suddenly advances territory. Hmm. These things are happening through his kingdom outposts called churches. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's how the kingdom is here. And it's also not here. So yeah. It's already not yet. And it's not hereness is 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 communicated through our longing for Jesus's physical bodily return to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, when C.S. in C.S. Lewis' words, when every sad thing comes untrue, mm-hmm. or in Isaiah's words, when the knowledge of Yahweh fills the earth like the water covers the sea, mm-hmm. I I cannot wait for every living, breathing human to be full of the will of God. Yeah, um, like like every every problem solved and only creative collaboration into infinity. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so Um, good. So it's already, but it's not yet. So because it's already, we can pray and people get healed because it's not yet. We can pray and people still die Mm -hmm. because it's not yet. Yeah. Um, 
it's all ready so we can step out into the world and, and people see our witness and they come to faith and their, their lives are changed. It's not yet because people say no mm-hmm. to the good rule of the king siding with the serpent and whatever version of serpent kingdom. There are so many. Yeah. Um, so, so it's tense. And the, and the trick is, which one do you emphasize more? Like, do you, like, do you emphasize that the kingdom's here? Boldness, the work is done. God's here, like no fear. Or do you do you emphasize it's not here yet? We're lamenting, we're longing, we're aching. Come, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come, Jesus. Like, which one do we spend more time emphasizing? And that's where you get all the different denominations. And that's right. You know, on one on one hand, you have you know, uh, I don't want to name any names, but like large scale worship services where you bring the kingdom with your fiery song or whatever. That's right. And the kingdom arrives and, you know, glitter fills the air or whatever. Um, that that might might be, without judgment, that might be an over-realized mm-hmm. eschatology or kingdom idea. Yeah. Or you might, I think most of us fall on the other side, though. Most of us fail mm-hmm. in under-realizing the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like most of us walk around a little more anxious and hopeless than we should. Yeah especially right now in a pandemic. Yeah, especially when when the resurrected Savior looks at his followers and says, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yes. In other words, like I'm taking authority over the earth. And, and, and that's my concern, Evan. My concern is, number one, that maybe we don't know what the kingdom of God is and what Jesus was on about when he said that the good news was here. Mm-hmm. My other concern is that maybe we, we don't know how to live as citizens of God's kingdom here and now. And, and it's this whole beautiful reality that the spirit empowers his people to live, yes. as you're saying, as, as outposts within the church, mm-hmm. uh, both in, in San Diego and, and here in Vancouver and, and all across the globe, there's these outposts, these churches, and they have different, like, and we're even talking about different uh, among different, you know, Protestant, Catholic, mm-hmm. different denominations, like these outposts who, who love and follow Jesus and, mm-hmm. and believe that he's, he's coming one day. So, so I'm wondering how do we live as, as citizens, of this kingdom as God's Oof. people, how do we begin to live within the tension of the already, but not yet, but, but, but actually live here and now, not as a one day I'm going to go off into some disembodied, you know, heaven, but rather that, that, that God's kingdom heaven is coming here. And so I need to live as a citizen of that, yeah. that real kingdom. Oh my so, gosh. So how do we begin to live in as citizens of this kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Acts 2, when the Spirit came, on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in one place, which we all wish we could do right now in quarantine. Yes. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to remember the day that the Holy Spirit birthed the promise of the kingdom. Mm. So in Acts 1, the disciples were like, Lord, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Like, Like, will you restore the kingdom now to Israel? And Jesus basically says, yes, but... Not the way you think, Hmm. but yes, here's your job. Wait for the power of the spirit. Hmm. This is your job. This is how we live as citizens of heaven on earth. We wait for the power of the spirit. When all the dates and times, when's quarantine over? When's coronavirus vaccine coming out? When is all our problems going to be resolved? The, The father has all the dates and times and the calendars. The father has that stuff. Mm -hmm. you 
wait for the power of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he will give you everything you need to be witnesses in your Vancouver and in your Canada and in your rest of the Western Hemisphere, you know, mm-hmm. in your Jerusalem, yeah. Judea. And uh, that is how to begin living mm-hmm. as citizens. And, and from there, Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly. They committed themselves mm-hmm. to the apostles' teaching, bread and cup, fellowship, which is not just hanging out. It's partnership in creative work for the kingdom. That's right. And, and prayer. Yeah. So pr- I think prayer is still so underrated. It's mm-hmm. like the most talked about least thing done in the church. Yeah. Um, those four things are full, like flour- like the beginning of flourishing as citizens of heaven. And um, I just think we don't do those enough. Mm-hmm. I really don't. So, so it's co- much... It's much simpler, simpler in some sense. So, so it's not necessarily complicated, mm-hmm. but yet it's not necessarily easy either. Correct, because you have to then apply kingdom life to a billion different circumstances. Right. You know, um, 8 billion, 9 billion people in the world all have unique wirings and personalities and mm-hmm. vocations, callings, and gift sets. How does living in the kingdom look for Dan? Um, right. for Evan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's when you get to, you know, Matthew 25, you yeah. get the parable of the talents. Like some people receive two bags of gold. Some people receive five bags of gold, whatever you got, whatever your unique chemistry of influence yeah. and, and passions, yeah. whatever that is, give it to the work of lifting up the poor, the other, the needy, your neighbor, your family. Um, and Jesus will reckon that kingdom advancement. Like that's living in the kingdom. It'll double yeah. back to you. It'll, yeah, you'll double okay. it. You know what I mean? And the one who didn't live faithfully in the kingdom, he was given one bag of gold. Doesn't matter how many bags you have. It matters what you do with it. That's right. And, and the guy, what did he do? He, he hid it in the ground because this is killer. He hid it in the ground because he goes to the master. He's like, I knew you were mean spirited and ruthless and I was mm-hmm. scared of you. So I hit it. And the master goes, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's literally not the king. You've been hanging out with the serpent. Mm, that's so good. You, you have not been looking at the king yeah. because you think I'm mean and ruthless I'm going to come down on you with a hammer. I'm literally the opposite of that. Hmm. I'm compassionate, gracious, abounding in steadfast love. Yes, I punish sin, but I forgive a thousand times more. You've been hanging out with the serpent. You are a serpent child, which is why they are then banned from the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's not because they don't do enough. Yeah. It's because they weren't, they refused to see the king for who he says he is. That's so good. So um, that's kind of, you know, there's so many ways you can go from that. Um, yeah. but, but that's the basic, I think, life in the kingdom thing. Evan, I think that is so helpful. And I think it's also helpful also for our listeners to hear that we are not talking about professionals on a stage, a, a no. pastor or an evangelist, or maybe a worship leader. We're talking about the, the members or citizens of God's kingdom, which is, you know, the, the students and, you know, the, the barista and the barber and, you know, the, the one holding a, a job that is just an, a means 
of income, whatever your vocation or, or calling or status is, you're, you're a member of God's kingdom. And, and I really do believe that, that, that Acts 2 is such a great model for us to gather together in fellowship and, and partner uh, in, in the mission of Jesus, to break bread and, and yeah. share a meal yeah. with one another, to uh, devote ourselves to the teaching. And that's not just believing in it's it's living out in our in our city and i think there's something incredible and then you also mentioned prayer which is one of the incredible jesus said pray that my kingdom would come pray that that god's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven meaning well maybe there's sectors of god's world where his will isn't done or have Mm -hmm. heaven hasn't touched down yet and we are to contend or join god in that and so i think that is really really helpful to us um just in closing i'm wondering if there's um, maybe some practical things that we could maybe become aware of God's kingdom among us, you know, here and now, you know, cause maybe yeah. we're like, okay, well, Evan, it's easy for you because you pastor a church or you're part of this community or, or whatever. Like um, how do we begin to notice God's kingdom or even opportunities to partner with God in his kingdom? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't planning on this, but I think I'm going to make a book recommendation. Brilliant. If you have not read, listener, if you have not read Ronald Rollheiser, uh, his book, Domestic Monastery, um, read it like yesterday. Mm. Um, it's short, very short, s- straight to the point. And the whole idea is your home can be a sacred space. Hmm where the bells of heaven stop you in your tracks and align you with the heart of God at any given moment. Um, The only reason monks withdraw from society and pray for hours a day is because they can't be single moms. (laughs) They can't be like completely selflessly drained by the demands of normal childbearing and like like this and his point in this book is the reason why um monks pray is so they can become friends with the mild Hmm. like like parents of young children have to yeah that's the the same level of spiritual greatness is accomplished through um someone who selflessly continues to love through difficulty Hmm. um so I would say read that book uh, like yesterday because mm-hmm. it's so illuminating and so affirming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that's a good question. Practical things we can do. Uh, there are seven disciplines we gave our church over the last seven weeks. Uh, I don't know if you guys are, are hip with the uh, Christian calendar or whatever, but like Easter is seven weeks long in the liturgical year. And so we kind of made a big deal about that. Um, And we did seven practices that help us experience the resurrected Jesus through the seven weeks of Easter. So cool. Um, Well, yeah, like practicing Sabbath. What does it mean to do that? Let's become more aware of God in our rest. Mm. Uh, Holy noticing. What does it mean to notice what's going on inside of us and outside of us and give our feelings to God? Um, so yeah, if, if anyone wants those practices, they can email me or you, I don't know, whatever, but, but they're yeah. very practical. You can walk through the one page worksheet and just, just find some time, silence and solitude, listening prayer, imaginative prayer, Lectio Divina, meditation on scripture. These things are ways 
while we're detached and while we are in quarantine or whatever, there are ways we can experience the resurrected Jesus as a community. Um, they're very practical. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, I, I the last thing I'll say, uh, the, the executive pastor at our church, he, uh, he sent me this two minute video by this Catholic father guy that I've never seen or heard of. And he said, he made a bold claim. He's like, this one practice, if you do it for 10 days straight, will revolutionize your life in God. And I'm like, whoa, dang. Yeah, bold. That's like it, clickbait, you know? Yeah. Um, so I clicked it. <laughs> I took the bait and I watched a two-minute video. And I, I, I'm kind of into it. It was, I haven't done it yet because I keep forgetting because it's hard to remember. But it's so easy. He just gets up and before he gets out of bed, he puts his feet on the floor and he just says, good morning, Jesus. Hmm. That's it. Hmm. And then he goes on with his day. He's like, hmm. if you can do that for 10 days in a row where you don't check your phone, you don't do anything before saying, good morning, Jesus. Hmm. Acknowledging the King. 10 days in a row. If you can do that, he says, um, I, I, I guarantee there will be a shift in the way you approach the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, so I am just passing that along having not experienced it because <laughs> I keep forgetting because it's, it's actually that hard. I'm so habitually formed to forget to acknowledge God in the morning. That's right. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I, th I think those habits make a big difference. That is, that is so key. It, it's what I believe Paul said, walking in the spirit, like um, your friend, John Mark uh, defined it as living in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so key when it comes to kingdom and, and just, you know, having a, a practice where you're just putting your feet on the floor and saying, okay, Jesus, good morning. Like, like just being aware yeah. of, of his presence or, or in Sabbath, being aware of his, his blessings and provisions and, and enjoying those and just resting in his presence or sounds and solitude sitting in the presence of God is just, it, these are all uh, means of becoming aware of both the presence of God and the greater story that we're a part of. And that mm -hmm. is of citizens of the kingdom. And so to all of our listeners, I hope that you uh, begin to grow in your awareness of the, the inbreaking kingdom of God all around us, um, the, the kingdom breaking through through justice, the, the kingdom breaking through in, in your community group as you you break bread and um, you you share with one another uh, your your heart. And so I I pray that you not only become aware of it but you experience it as well. Um. So yeah. Evan, thank you so much for being with us. It was so fun uh, yeah. to have you on. I really believe this is a lot to chew on. And so uh, I just thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, to be with us. To all of our listeners, we hope our conversation was helpful and inspires you to follow Jesus. To all so of you, grace and peace.